When the great Christian and scientist, Sir Michael Faraday, was dying, some journalists came to him and questioned him as to his speculations concerning the soul and death. Dr. Faraday, Sir Faraday, what, what do you think is going to happen when, when, you, when you die? What are your speculations concerning even your own soul and, and this thing that we all know about and kind of ignore to the last minute death, to which Sir Michael Faraday said, speculations? I know nothing about speculations. I'm resting on certainties. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Sir Michael Faraday was not speculating about his eternity. He was resting on the sure and certain word of God in the gospel. Another story is told of an old Scotch lady to whom the bygone days of searching um, pastoral visitation, in, in, the, in the bygone days of searching pastoral visitation, her minister went as she lay dying and wishing to, to try her faith, he said to her, Janet, what would you say if after all he has done for you, God should let you perish? Didn't take her long. She replied, even as he likes... If he does, he will lose more than I will. For I would lose my soul, but God would lose his honor, for his word would be broken. Do you have this kind of assurance? Will you? in your dying hour, have this kind of assurance. You're more sure that God will keep His Word than anything. You don't speculate about what's going to happen when you breathe your last. You bank on the rock-solid Word of the living God. Do you have this kind of assurance? You see, God wants you, He wants me, to be just as confident as our brother Michael Faraday, our sister, the Scotch lady Janet, whose testimonies we've just heard. It was the late John Stott who said, we as believers should be the most positive people in the world. For the new community of Jesus Christ is characterized not by a self-centered triumphalism, but by a God-centered worship. Do you have this blessed assurance? Does that assurance fill your life with joy so that if people look at you, they say of you, he's one of the most positive people I know. You see, God's word to us is sure and strong and is intended to give us great assurance if we simply trust what he says. And the passage before us today is particularly intended for our assurance. We continue this morning in our study of Paul's great magnum opus, the letter to the church at Rome. 
the book of Romans in your Bibles, and we've been considering this letter under the heading, The Gospel of the Righteousness of God. What's this letter about? It's about the gospel, the good news, that message that tells the good news about Jesus. It's the gospel of the righteousness of God, the good news That holy God who requires from you absolute perfect righteousness. How many of you have that? You see the Bible makes it clear, Romans makes it clear. None of us are born with that. We're born right the opposite. We are absolutely unrighteous and therefore condemned by the justice and righteousness and wrath of God. But the good news is, is that God gives us as a gift by His grace, all of the righteousness that He demands. How does He do it? He sent Jesus to be righteous, to bear the righteous curse for our sin, to be raised from the dead, that we might be justified, that is, declared righteous before God, because Jesus has become our righteousness. And we take righteousness from God as a gift in the person of His Son, Jesus. And we are justified. And we've been looking at Romans. We started in Romans 4, verse 23. It's an extended section. goes down through chapter 5, verse 11. We're going to wrap this up this morning. We've been looking at this passage under the heading of the joyful fruit of justification. Justification simply meaning that we are declared righteous before holy God by faith in Jesus. We're taking the gift he's given, giving, that is that righteousness that we need from the hand of God in the work of Jesus Christ. And as we wrap this up, we've been, we've been thinking along these lines. Here's the main thought I want you to grab and take home with you and really think about. And it's this, as we think about the joyful fruit of justification. If we've been justified by faith in Jesus. Our lives should be characterized by joy-filled assurance in God himself. If we've been justified by faith in Jesus, our lives should be characterized... We're going to focus on the assurance part this morning, but the bigger picture of these 11 verses is our lives should be characterized by joy in That's why three times in the verses that we read earlier, he says, we rejoice. Did you catch that when we were reading? I think it's about verse 3 or 4. He says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Then he says, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know what sufferings do in reference to that hope, which in turn stirs our joy in God. But then at the end of the passage we'll look at this morning, he says, even more than that, We rejoice in God. We don't just rejoice in the hope we have in Him. We don't just rejoice in His presence and work, even in our sufferings. We rejoice directly in communion with Him. And so I want to read again verses 8 through 11, just to get a run and go as we wrap up this section. Romans 5, verse 8. But God, remember... You might get lucky if you're a halfway decent guy. Somebody might sacrifice their life for you. It's unlikely. I have no hope of that. Anybody who's ever met me knows I'm not that good. They're not going to die for me. But God, 
shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, we weren't even close to good. We were rebels, enemies of God, under the wrath of God. We were still sinners. Then is when it was that Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this thing He's already mentioned several times, reconciliation. If we've been justified by faith in Jesus, our lives should be characterized by joy-filled assurance in God Himself. We've seen so far in, in our study of these 11 verses four fruits of justification by faith in Jesus. We, we, we saw over the last couple of weeks that we have, first of all, as a fruit of our justification, we have peace with God. The war is over. There was a war. We were sinners. We were rebels. We were at war with God, and God in His holiness was at war with us because of our sin. But we have peace with God. Secondly, we have grace from God. We've been given a rock on which to stand and build our eternity. And His name is Jesus. We have grace from God. Thirdly, we saw that we have hope of God's glory. We have a hope for eternity. We have a hope of one day not just having heard all this time in, in, in this life about, about the beauty of God, but actually being in the presence, seeing face to face the God who gave His own Son, even seeing, looking into the eyes of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw last week in verses 3 through 8 that not only do we have peace with God, grace from God, hope of God's glory, we can rejoice even in our sufferings because God uses those sufferings to build and increase our hope. Our hope. I want us to look at the fifth fruit of justification by faith together this morning. That's all we're going to look at. It's just one fruit. And here it is. Fifthly, the fruit of justification is we have assurance of final salvation. And I just tell you, this is going to be good. We're on shouting ground this morning. Y'all just need to loosen up, wake up, and just let it rip. Just, just as, the, as the Lord moves your heart, just, it's fine to say amen. It's fine to say hallelujah. Freddie's not here this morning. He's been practicing his hallelujahs. But um, it, it's, it's okay. I mean, let me tell you something. Y'all, here's the deal. I've seen some of y'all. Y'all are rabid football fans. Some of you don't know which team you ought to be cheering for. But that's not my problem. That's your problem. But, you know, we all, we'll get rabid at football games, basketball games. Right now, y'all are in basketball. Kids, some of y'all, y'all are rabid. Crazy. Everybody, anybody seen the student section at Gilmer High School at a basketball game? Crazy. Dangerous. Don't get close if you go. We're talking about something that is billions of times more glorious and great and exciting. Because it's a game that will never be over. It's a celebration that will never end. We have assurance of final salvation. What we have in verses 9 through 11 
in these verses is Paul, just get, get this picture with me, standing in the present, okay, talking to the Romans, talking to me and you, looking back to what God has done in the past in all of our lives if we know him today, realizing the results that are in the present, and then in verses 9 through 11, he's looking to the future with an assurance that Jesus will take care of us then. It's an argument from the greater to the lesser. In other words, if he's done the bigger thing, he can handle the smaller thing. So let's unpack that. Since, therefore, verse 9, we have now been justified by his blood. There's one way to be made right with holy God. There's one way to be declared righteous before holy God, and it does not bypass the blood of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross and his resurrection in victory is necessary for anyone who will ever be declared right with holy God. You cannot come to God however you like. There is a path that is the only path of salvation. It is faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. We've been, so just catch what he's saying. We've been made right with God. We've been declared not only right, but righteous before holy God. You have. I have, if I know him today. Just let that soak a minute. That's huge. Because who are you? Who was I? I was one of the rank sinners of Romans 1 through 3 who was under the just wrath of God upon whom the wrath of God was being revealed every day. And I was in the business of storing up more wrath against myself so when the judgment day came, it was going to be a mother load that was dumped on my soul forever. We'll look at that in a minute. Since therefore we've now been justified by His blood, Listen to this. That's big, right? But much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. He's looking back. We were justified by the death of Christ. We were declared righteous back here in time. Whenever it was you got saved. Declared righteous before Holy God. He said, listen, if if, if God will do that, let me tell you, much more. When judgment day comes and the wrath of God falls, you will be rescued from his wrath. If he did that ginormous thing for you in the past, justification of the, as Paul says, ungodly by faith in Jesus, so that you have these blessings we've been talking about in the present, peace with God, standing in grace, joy in trouble, because of the certainty of God's love in Jesus that floods our heart, we saw last week, by the Holy Spirit. God will certainly do, by comparison, this rather small thing in the future, that is, take his children through the judgment and get them safely home to heaven. And you see, God wants your mind and your heart armed with that gospel logic so that you can stand firm in assurance and joy in this world. 
John Stott says, so the judge has pronounced us righteous and the father has welcomed us home. Do we understand what it means to be justified and have this hope, this certainty of rescue from the wrath of God? You see, the wrath of God, we saw it in Romans 1, verse 18 and following. The wrath of God is presently being revealed and will, on the day Jesus returns, be fully poured out. You need to hear more about that. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior, you especially need to be need to hear more about that. And, and church, you need to hear it because there's a dying world all around you. And you need to hear it because your joy may have dwindled, because the familiarity of the gospel may have just made all this goodness of the good news wear off in your heart. So here, Revelation 14, verses 9 through 11. What is the wrath of God all about? Listen to this description of the wrath of God. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or or, or on his hand, what does all that mean? It doesn't matter. It means that they're not trusting and loving Jesus. They don't have justification by faith. Don't, Don't get bogged down in the details. If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also, listen, drink the wine of God's wrath. And that wine will be poured full strength He won't water it down. It'll be full strength poured into the cup of his anger. And he, the unbeliever, will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Listen, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. Those worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. That, that is what we will be saved from by the same God who justified us by the blood of Christ. And you can know that with a certainty. If you've been justified by His blood, much more will you be saved from His wrath. But hear me, church, your neighbors, your friends, your family members, your co-workers have that waiting on them. Now what that ought to have done the moment it came out of my mouth is change the way you think about the week to come. Change the way you think about what you've got to do tomorrow. Change the way you think about that lunch appointment you have, that, 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 that time with your friends out, whatever it is. It ought to put into perspective Students, what's going on at school? What really matters in the halls of Gilmer High School, Gilmer Middle School, wherever you're at? It ought to change your perspective on what should be priority in the next six days of your life. Again, 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, we're told of you, the church at Thessalonica, how you turned from to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait. This is our life as believers, to wait for His Son from heaven. Busily wait, a lot to do, a world to be told, but to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, listen, who delivers us from the wrath 
to come. You can have blessed assurance, joyful assurance of final salvation. Because if you've been justified by his blood, you will much more than be saved from his wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 8 through 11. Again, great encouragement. But since we belong to the day, as opposed to the night, the darkness, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation... Listen to these beautiful words. For God has not destined us for wrath as believers, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we've been saved. We've been justified by faith by the blood of Jesus. We are being saved. We're being sanctified every day. But one day we're going to be glorified. We are still yet to be saved from the wrath of God in the future when it's poured out in all of its fullness. God's not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. That's what this whole message is about this morning. I want to encourage you and build you up in the full assurance of of faith in Jesus, the full assurance of your final salvation. I want you you to go home today singing Blessed Assurance. You won't get an opportunity to do that in a few minutes, and I just want you to let it soak in. I want you to go home singing all week Blessed Assurance. It will change your life. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7, when the Lord Jesus, speaking of the last day, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, here's what's going to happen. Two different things. In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes to do the other thing, which is this, on that day to be glorified in his saints. That's me and you if we know him. And to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. You know what your future is? We're going to watch judgment fall on unbelievers. But in that moment, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rejoice in the fulfillment of our blessed assurance. What this message is intended to build in your heart on the final day to be marveled at among all who believe. We're going to see Him. And when we see Him, we're going to say, this is better than I ever thought it could be. He's more beautiful than I ever imagined He really was. I tried hard at East LJ Baptist Church to really worship Him on Sunday mornings, to really get my heart around what the Bible said about the beauty of Jesus. That silly preacher we had, he always talked about us being captivated. And I tried hard, but I didn't have a clue. I had no idea, Jesus, how beautiful you are. We're going to marvel at him. This is the assurance you have. If we've been justified by faith in Jesus, our lives should be characterized by joy-filled, joy-filled assurance in God Himself. That's verse 9. Verse 10. Gets better. The good's getting gooder. You ready? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Isn't that good? 
Paul says, here's the thing. If when you were enemies of God, you're on separate sides of the battle lines, there is a war raging between heaven and your soul, and your soul in heaven. And you will never win over the holy judgment and wrath of Almighty God. If that God would reconcile one of his enemies to himself and make him, other passages tell us, even in the book of Romans, sons and daughters of the living God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, part of the family. If while we're enemies, God would do that through the death of his son, much more. Now that we're reconciled, hey, we're family with God. Today, I'm not his enemy. I'm his son. Pam, you're his daughter. If he would take an enemy and make him a daughter, an enemy and make him a son, what do you think good, awesome, gracious God's going to do with his kids? Those that are reconciled to him. Through the life of Jesus, he's going to save you. On that last day, when, when Jesus comes back to do all the, the judging, he's going to make sure you aren't included and you're held close and safe forever. John MacArthur says, if when we were enemies, he could reconcile us by dying now that we've been reconciled, he can certainly keep us reconciled by his living. If he could do what he did through his death, how much more can he do through his resurrected life? If Christ in death can save us, then a living Christ can keep us saved. If we can be saved and reconciled when enemies, we can be secured now that we have become friends. Does the enemy make you doubt where you stand with your father? God wants you to get a hold of this gospel logic in verse 10 and realize you have been made his child. If he made an enemy a child, he's not going to take a child and throw him to the dogs. And by Jesus' life, right now, here's what he's up to. Jesus, Hebrews 7 verse 25 because of his finished work on the cross and in the resurrection, he is able to save, I love this, to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. If by his death he reconciled enemies into family, then by his life, he's going to save you to the uttermost. What does that mean? It just means all the way home. It means through everything between here and eternity with God in His presence. It means all the struggles and the disappointments, through all of them, will He carry you and make intercession for you with the Father to support you and, and make sure you make it home. Philippians 1 1 verse 6 puts it so simply but powerfully. And I am sure of this, Paul said, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day 
of Jesus Christ. He's not done with you. And he will finish what he started in your life. Do you have blessed assurance? If we've been justified by faith in Jesus, our lives should be characterized by joy-filled assurance in God Himself. Which brings us to the last verse, Romans 5, verse 11. More than that, now I believe really what's going on here, again, if you, if you, t- if you take a glance back through the passage, you see in verse 2, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Then you see in verse 3, not only that, number one reason for rejoicing, hope in the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know what's going on in sufferings. God's got a plan to make us more like Jesus, to give us greater hope in Jesus. So number one, we rejoice in hope. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. I believe what's going on in verse 11 is it's the final wrap-up of this rejoicing theme throughout all the verses. More than that, more than everything between verse 3 and verse 10, we also rejoice in God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. More than that, we also rejoice in God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Really, in verse 11, he is simply stating what he's been describing in detail the first 10 verses. When you boil it all down, what's the end result? What's the bottom line fruit of being justified by faith? You rejoice in God. Because you have peace with Him. You stand in grace. You have hope of His glory. You can even rejoice in suffering. You can have this blessed assurance we've been talking about of final salvation because if he justified us back here, if he took enemies and made them friends, then he'll take justified ones, righteous ones, and family and get them home. He'll do it. And so we rejoice in God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, again, just as a quick reminder, in case you forgot, it's only through Jesus that we have reconciliation. Stott says, Christian exaltation or rejoicing in God begins with the shame-faced recognition that we have no claim on Him at all. Continues with wondering worship that while we were still sinners and enemies, Christ died for us. And it ends, Christian rejoicing, with the humble confidence that He will complete the work. He has begun. So to exult in God is to rejoice not in our privileges, but in His mercies. Not in our possession of Him, but in His of us. If we've been justified by faith in Jesus, our lives should be characterized by joy-filled assurance in God Himself. a visitor to uh, a poor wounded soldier. He went to see him dying there in the hospital. He says to the young soldier, what church are you of? Of the church of Christ, he replied. I mean, what persuasion are you of? Persuasion, said the dying man as he looked heavenward. 
beaming with love to his Savior, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want to know about you today. Are you persuaded and do you live like it? So if the world looks at you and they say of you, she's the most positive person I know. There's a joy she's got about her. He's not some unrealistic optimist that doesn't know reality, but in the middle of hard realities, he has hope that's not moved. And peace and joy. So much so that he, that he loves people when, when other people I know would be just focused inwardly because of all he's himself dealing with. Would you stand with me, please? Romans chapter 8. What we've been talking about this morning, in Romans 8, Paul really unfolds it goes deep with all of this. And so I just want to read Romans 8, verses 28 to 39 as we close. Paul says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those He foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. We know what that means, don't we? And those whom He justified, past tense, He also, as if it were already done, glorified, Paul said. You're not glorified. I'm looking at you. And you've been staring at me for the last 45 minutes. You know I'm not glorified. What is he talking about? It's as good as done. Our salvation is so solid. It's as good as done. We're as good as home. He wants you to have blessed assurance. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, do you feel that this morning? Do you get that? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Life is not easy for Christians. Get that. Expect that. But it does not mean you've been separated from His love. It does not mean you can't have blessed assurance in Jesus today. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him 
who loved us. For I am assured. Sure. That's related. You kind of heard it when I messed up. That's kind of related to assurance and assured, right? Y'all tracking? Simple English lesson there. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you have blessed assurance? If you can simply believe God, you can Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus. You you want what we're talking about. You need the peace and the joy that we have. All that it takes. God's done the work in His Son, Jesus. All that it takes is you, like like a little child, coming to God. Right in this room today. You can do it right here at the front with me in just a few minutes. And saying, God, I need you. I need a Savior. And I heard all this stuff that you've done for me in Jesus, and I believe that it applies to me. I believe that my sins can be forgiven because Jesus was righteous in my place, and he died to, to bear the punishment for my sins. And I believe he lives. He rose again. Dead man's no Savior. We serve a risen Savior. He's alive. And so, God, I just come to you today like a little child, simple as I know how, with all the trust in my heart. I just, I take what you're given in Jesus. That's all it takes. You can go home today, January the 27th, 2019, knowing, fully assured that you are right forever with God and that you have a certain eternity. If we've been justified by faith in Jesus, our lives should be characterized by joy-filled assurance in God Himself. Church, just one last, one last, one last time. What is my problem? What's wrong with you? We know this. And Gilmer County ought to be turned upside down by 200 people who know this. Like the community ought to be rocked by our joy. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with me? Will we spend a little time as we come to the Lord's table asking God, God, help me to take the blessed assurance that I have and let it go in my heart and in my life. And let it change the way I live and think and, and, and spend and, and prioritize and schedule whatever needs to change. And there's a lot of things that need to change. Amen? Y'all okay? I mean, I'm just, I feel like I'm getting done this way up here as I talk to myself. Let's pray together and...